Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Volleyball Show. We are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, the Weber State affiliate, and the only volleyball show in the Big Sky Podcast Network. Want to point that out? Up your game, fellas. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have returning for our panel, David Moore. David, uh, been really sending us some good questions this week in the chat. I mean, David's he's been a great asset. So, David Moore, thanks for coming back and hanging out with us here on Weber State Weekly, man. Glad to uh, get some of my questions answered from the source. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Yeah, we're here. And so speaking of the source, folks, let's talk about tonight's show. We have for you a coach interview. We have not had head coach Jeremiah Larson on the show tonight. And so he was kind enough to take a little bit of time to join us. So, Maya, we're excited to talk to you tonight. And then after that, we'll talk a little bit about last week's matches, the final road trip of the regular season for the Wildcats, taking the trip up to Flagstaff to face the Jacks, and then Hated rival Northern Colorado. We'll talk about how things went in Greeley. Then we'll preview a little bit about the final homestand of the season this weekend against Montana State and Montana. The last two matches and the implications around what that could mean for the upcoming conference tournament, which will be hosted once again at Club Swenson this year. So we'll talk about all of that on tonight's show. But before we get into it, I want to encourage everyone to subscribe to the show. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you are served up good podcast content content you'll stay weekly there we're also on social media you can find us on facebook instagram twitter good places to interact with us uh trying the instagram story up to date whenever we hear you know recruiting news whenever we see scores not just from the teams that we cover but also from some of the club sports like hockey men's soccer we've been trying to get some of that now rugby's going on so we're trying to give those guys a little bit of love too and then also there, we have our Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Uh, become a patron. We really are grateful to our patrons. They help us kind of support us. I uh, want to let those folks know that um, we're going to be getting some uh, some content going soon for basketball. So be ready for that. But appreciate our patrons and everything they do. Um, so thanks. So all right, guys. That's the intro. We got through it. We want to welcome head coach Jeremiah Larson back to the show. Maya, like I said, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us tonight, man. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, we appreciate you because we know you're busy. Like we said, it's the final homestand of the season. Um, you just did uh, the athletics show, uh, the, the the show down at FARS tonight. And so uh, if you didn't have a chance to catch that, um, I don't know where you can find it, but it's it's good. Uh, <laughs> Too bad. It it's on one, yeah, on 103 right. on the wave. Uh, Steve, that was amazing, by the way. I was amazing. So. Yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah, plus, Clowkey's there. You know, I, I love Clowkey. He's a great dude. I uh, love his voice. I love Clowkey's passion. But uh, thanks for, like I said, taking some time to chat with us, Maya. So talking a little bit about this season, man. Um, we've talked a lot about it this year. Young team, obviously. A lot of, a lot of talent left the the program because of graduation, a lot of seniors that had been throughout, you know, the growth that you've seen in your past few years of really bringing the program from what I think folks would say was um, a kind of a doormat. No one saw Weber state volleyball as necessarily a power and now a perennial team that is hosting the conference tournament two years in a row, some NCAA tournament wins, some NIVC tournament wins, you know, conference championship got Maya, talk to us a little bit about how, you know, you've seen them progress throughout the season because now we're close to that final homestand and looking at the conference tournament. Yeah, it's been um, it's been an interesting season for sure. We haven't had a a freshman group make impact on us since my second season here with the great Rylan Adams and and Megan Knighting and Hannah DeYoung and well, Hannah Hill at the time and Aubrey Saunders and all those kids. And so um, it's pretty impressive what they're doing for us right now and being able to compete at a really high level. I mean, beating teams like San Jose state and, 
you know, two points away from Utah State and be Utah Valley. And to be honest, be able to be be able to compete with Northern Colorado this last weekend. I mean, that's a team that lost what one kid from their roster last year. And, yeah. and so they're they're legit. They're a legitimately good team. And to be down 2-0 and and to, and to be able to do what we did with a bunch of little freshmen running around. It's been it's been a challenge for sure to be able to help them acclimate to Division One volleyball. But at the same time, it's been it's been a fun one. Um, so it's fun to watch kids grow and be able to compete at a high level at such a young age. Yeah, and compete they have, like you said, Maya. I mean, last weekend is a, is a I think a perfect example. The UVU match is another good one. The Utah State match, where just chips are down, especially that UVU and that Northern Colorado match, where you know you're going for the reverse sweep in that in those situations. Uh, you come back and you almost get it. You know, you're just, I think that we'll talk about this in just a bit, but seven match points in Greeley last weekend, uh, just a little bit of a learning process to close them out, but to be in that position with the group of fresh women that you have incredible growth. And I think a credit to you folks and your coaching ability. Yeah. I mean, you know, me as well as anybody, I think sometimes we're a detriment to them more than we are to help them, but they, they're, yeah. they're, they're learning and growing and, and taking what it means to be a Weber state wildcat and all the legacy that some of these amazing players have kind of built and, and trying to put their own little, uh, their voice in it and their, their own spin on, on what it means and how to further the legacy that was previously built. Well, I think you've added a lot though, because you've had to change your lineup a ton over the course of uh, weeks and even matches. You know, I, I think there's only been one match where you kept the same lineup from the first game to the last and uh, all during the early part of the season, you, you had one lineup and you kept switching, switching it out. And uh, once we were starting to think on this podcast that you had stabilized your lineup, then last weekend you had to do the reverse switch. You had, you were starting with your late season lineup and then you were ending the matches with your early season lineup, right? Yeah. Tell me about it. It's been, um, that's been the challenge. I think we, we had some interesting things happen inside of our program last year where we lost a lot of uh, pretty much a, an entire recruiting class. We lost a kid that was, we thought was going to be a really nice outside hitter to help replace for Ryland. And we thought she and Ashley Knighting would do a really nice job. And when that didn't happen, we couldn't really find a quality outside hitter replacement that would really made us really excited. So we decided to try to make Michaela Sorensen play a little outside instead of be a libero. And we went and got a transfer libero. And, and it's really hard to replace a libero like Michaela Sorensen, you know? And so, so throughout right. the concourse of the season, we have this competition going on and, and Ashley starting to really kind of pick it up. And so, um, and we like Michaela in the lib. So we decided to make that flip to think, to give Ashley a shot and, and that's kind of what we've been kind of playing with these two different lineups. And it's just been a weird season because when we have to usually make a switch, we can just flip out an outside hitter. But when Michaela's playing libero, we have to wait until the entire set's over to put her on the outside hitter. And so it's been a really unique season in that type of way and really poor, poor recruiting or poor, poor roster compilation on my part, I guess, so that we tried it, that we're kind of stuck in this situation, but that just takes a, that just shows how amazing Michaela Sorensen is not a normal person can play a libero position at such a high level and play an outside hitter position also at such a nice level. And so it's just been a thing trying to fill at Ryland Adams shoes has been kind of a really daunting task for these kids just a little bit. And for us also. 
I keep waiting for a point where Michaela forgets she's wearing the um, the libero jersey and blasts one out of the back row. But she hasn't done it yet. No, she's a little too smart for that. I think most of us yeah. would probably do that, but she's she's a little too too intelligent for that for sure. Yeah. Well, Maya, um, like you said, roster composition has been a challenge. There have also been some injury challenges that the team has had to work through this season, and I think that they've handled them, you know, relatively admirably. Um, down a few players, the like you said, the last class didn't work out the way you had hoped. That's that's a thing that happens sometimes. You know, um, you look at kids in high school and you think that this is the way it's going to go, but kids grow up and sometimes things change. So you've done, I think, a pretty good job in your you know, with your coaching staff to try and adjust, make those kinds of things happen. And, um, Hey man, we're sitting here, uh, <laughs> the last week of the season. And, uh, we're talking about, you know, if certain things go right, Wildcats might have a share of the conference title. If I had told you that at the beginning of the season, would you have punched me in the face? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd punch you in your face, but for sure. I thought you you'd be crazy. Like call me a liar for sure. <laughs> well, for, I mean, we just knew what we were, you know, like we knew we were replacing some really good pieces from last season. We knew we were replacing with younger kids and um, there's a lot of question marks. So, I mean, I went into this season thinking if we were third place and at the end of the season, that's a nice rebuilding season for a program, you know, and, but realistically fourth place was something we, we kind of were like, yeah, that's probably where we're going to be sitting. And, and as the season just progressed, we got more and more excited because the thing that we thought was going to happen didn't like we realized these kids are doing a really nice job and they were growing at an incredible rate. And so we were getting pretty excited. Um, but to be in a position to have a chance of, win- of winning our regular season and beating Northern Colorado. I mean, I thought that was a kind of a stretch, but at the same time, I knew that we're talented. I knew that we have the ability to do that. And as we've gotten through the season more and more, I'm just like, Hey, we have the talent. We just got to keep on growing as people and as, as a team and as an inexperience and handling adversity the right way. And I think we have a shot, you know? And so it got, I changed, I had to change my tune really, really quick because I knew what we had in the gym and what was capable of all these kids. So uh, going back to Michaela as an outside hitter, um, when I'm watching her play, she's got uh, those unusual mechanics, right? Where she's, rotating her left shoulder down and her right shoulder up to get her big swing. So did she come in with that or is that something you guys taught her? It's a little bit of both. She came in with it and we, we like that little, we like that swing. We, we think it generates a lot of power and for a kid her size, she needs to generate that. She needs to maximize everything she's got. And so um, like Sam, she's had the same kind of hitch in her giddy up, you know, with her swing. And we actually taught that to her. We, we, we revamped her arm swing because when she first got here, she didn't hit it hard enough to score. And so we changed her arm swing. So it's actually a very common movement pattern for the men's game more than the women. Like the men Uh actually use that swing a lot more. And and that's where I come from. That's what I study every single day is how men play. And, and we try to steal their movement patterns. So you won't be surprised. Don't, don't be surprised in about two years, Sane, Brielle and Ashley will all have that same kind of, the arm swing because Danny's Danny kind of has it too. If you look really closely, she has the same type of movement with her arm. It's too fast for me to see. So, <laughs> well, it's definitely, fast. Oh, it's, I think it's the glasses. You might need a new prescription or something. You're good. My, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like you said, replacing some all time wildcats this season, um, names like Rylan Adams, who, you know, has her name in the rafters names like Ashlyn power, who has her names in the record books. But 
as you've kind of worked through some of this, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about the back row because the back row was a staple of the game that you all played last season and kind of the, the success that you had. And I think we've seen a little bit more back row, especially as the season has worn on. Um, last weekend, we saw Emma hitting more out of the back row and there was some success there. And so I kind of wondered, has that been kind of like an in-season adjustment or was it always working toward getting to that point where we could bring that back as something that was a dominant part of the Weber State strategy to win? Because it worked last year and we're, I feel like we're really starting to see it take take shape now. Yeah, I mean, the back row, atta- the back row attack is something that we, we've always wanted in our program. And if you ever come to a practice, you'll watch Emma and Danny and all of them hit out of the back row. Um, Kate has had, it's part of Kate's progression as a setter, to be perfectly honest, is not is something that she has to get better at. And it's not so much that the kids can't hit it. It's about when does Dan, when does Kate need to set it and can she locate it in the right spot to be with the right tempo? I mean, that comes into play also is it has to be fast and it has to be in the right spot. And that's something she is growing as a setter. She's gotten better as the season progresses and the numbers in our practice, we stat every practice immensely. And so the numbers have started going up. And so now we're starting to go, okay, this is going to be something that we can start using. And so it's funny how the season progresses and how kids continue to get better. And that's a big thing in our program. It's not about, um, going out and winning matches. It's about developing and growing throughout the season and who we are right now is not who we're going to be in two months or a year from now. And, and so it's kind of fun to see this revolving door and that's why you always train your systems. And so that way that when the opportunity arises, maybe we can use them in matches a little bit more than we have in the past or during the season. And so for sure, that's something we always want to do. It's just something that in the development of these kids that we've, um, it's starting to really kind of come to fruition a little bit. Yeah, and we've talked a little bit this year about how it's kind of house money this year because the the playing time that the that the fresh women are getting right now is really putting them ahead of schedule. It's not a very normal thing for them to get this level of playing time, but because of the opportunities presented to them and the need, it feels like, man, like all of these kids are going to play at a senior level when they're like juniors. Like it's just incredible. And so it might be a little bit painful now, but not really because we're talking about first place here, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, in two years time, we're talking about with the, with the amount of sets that they've played in their junior seasons, they're going to be playing at a senior level. And it's just, it's just incredible. Cause it's like, it's almost like an extra COVID year where it's like, we get two years of a senior now without the craziness of people getting sick. What a bonus. What a bonus. Yeah. I mean, you've seen that, right. You've, you've seen it. Uh, when we first started this program in year two, right? When we have all these freshmen running around trying to play at a high level. The difference now is that we're winning a little bit more than they did back then. And I think if they have the same motivation, the same same discipline as those kids did, um, then I think their development could be who knows how great, you know? And that's really the exciting part about it is what might become um, out of these young kids. I mean, our roster is, I mean, if you listen to the starting lineup, it's senior, junior, sophomore, 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 freshman, 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 freshman. And so it's not just these fresh, these freshmen, it's Kate Stanford who's a sophomore. I have two more years with that kid and Bailey Bodley, who's a sophomore and she, we have two more years with him. And so I think it's exciting. I think, um, it all depends upon how hard they're willing to work though. Cause if they don't work hard and they don't, attack their mental game and their 
their physical game, then they're just going to be average players and they're never going to be what I think their full potential is. So we'll see how this keeps on playing out. But I think the ceiling is really high for them for sure. So one of the other questions I had that's much more a, a general thing from what from trying to learn how to watch the matches and see what the coaching staff is seeing is uh, what the middle blockers are keying off of, right? Because there's some there's some different middle block strategies, right? Somewhere you're committing and somewhere you're waiting. Um, and uh, I, I still can't track that very well. Can you tell us more about what, as a coaching staff, you guys are looking at for the middle blockers? Um, we're talking about blocking systems, I'm assuming. Yeah, not them hitting. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. 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 So on defense, so we play, we play in a, we call it a bunch read. And so if we're, there's a couple strategies inside of that, but we want to try to be able to read what the setter's doing and react to what she deals. Right. And we don't care where the hitters are running, like hitters will run all over the place, but let them run. Right. Like they, they can't hit anything unless the setter sets it to them. And so what we're trying to be keen on is trying to see what the setter does and understanding her tendencies and then watching how she releases the ball and then chasing it and using the blocking movements that we give them to move along the net. And, and to be honest, that's something that I don't know if our middle blockers are, it's probably the weakest part of their game right now. Um, Liana actually is one of the best middle blockers we have in our gym when it comes to blocking. Um, her offense is a little bit on the lower end, but she's doing, she's getting better every single day. I'm really excited about her future Liana Woodley. And so, so I think as she continues to progress as an offensive power, like you wouldn't be, won't be surprised to see her run around because she's such a wonderful read blocker. But Sane and Brielle and Bailey are, are some are people that are getting better, but it's still an area that they need to get. They need to continue to grow is be able to see the game. Like that was what Sam Sheets was so good at. She was able to see the game. She rarely got fooled. And when she did, she was still able to recover and make wonderful moves and get in the way. Um, and so Sane is getting better at it. I mean, they're all getting better at it and give us a spring and, and they will look completely different next August, um, in terms of our blocking systems. So, so yeah, there's not a lot of commitments. They're not, we're not going to be jumping on a lot of stuff unless we, we read it right. Or there's a scouting report that says we can do that. But for the most part, they come, they want to stay, they want to see, they want to be ready. And then they want to, they want to chase and they want to chase kids and get in their tendencies. So I don't know if that answers your question a ton. I'm learning. That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> if that answers the question, then, then I, I'm glad I was able to answer it. That was great. My last question for you here tonight. I want to talk a little bit about signing day, which was just last week. Two commitments to the Wildcats now, both uh, outside hitters coming in, one from the great state of Arizona, the other right uh, right there in Utah. And so I want to talk a little bit about Ali Wiest and about uh, Nana Asiata. Talk to us a little bit about these two recruits, man, because now they've signed. It's official. Saw the press release come out. And um, talk to us a little bit about the recruiting process. What got you excited about them and what you're most excited about having them on campus, like you said, for spring and getting ready for August next year. Yeah. So Allie, Allie's a kid from Phoenix. Um, I saw her play. Uh, I guess she's from Peoria, but she, um, I saw her play a while ago, like about a year ago. And we tried to get in on her and some things kind of fell through the cracks. And then we got in on her again in Jan in February, I think when, when I was out in Kansas city and, I know her club coach a little bit and really well, actually. And he's a good dude. And he's like, you got to see this kid. And so when we watched her play, I mean, she has a, she has an arm, like she can crack it. 
Um, we're gonna we're gonna teach we're gonna get her into some mechanic situations that make her a little more efficient. Of course, just like everybody, we get into our gym, but um, but she can absolutely just crack it, and she's pretty physical. Like she touches like around nine ten nine eleven, almost ten feet, and so um, long kid good six rotation players. Like she can pass and she can move and play defense. But the thing that I loved watching about her is when I watch her play, you can just absolutely tell she just loves to play volleyball. Like she's a, she's the kid that just like, like, you're just like, wow, that kid really enjoys what she does. It's not like she's doing it because her parents are making her. It's a, it's a means to an end to play volleyball in college. She's out there because she just loves the game. And she has a personality that, her teammates gravitate towards her. Like her teammates love to hang out with her. They love to play with her. She is a good leader. And so that was the thing that as I watched her play, I mean, yeah, she had a nice, some nice abilities and nice skills, but she was just a wonderful teammate, a good kid. Um, love the game of volleyball, which is a, is a big deal for me because if you don't love the game, I'll, I think a lot of times our coaching and our intensity in our, in our game will, and our gym will kind of help you not love it anymore, you know, cause it just gets a little too intense, but she absolutely loves the game and she just gets after it. And, and she's going to be a fun kid to watch for sure. And then Nana, I watched Nana for a long, long time and just really wanted to get a good gauge of not just how good she is as a player, but how good she is as a person. Is she competitive? Is she a competitive kid? Is she going to go fight and compete? And she does like, watching when she plays and when she really gets after it, like when it means something to her, like there's a little nasty to her, which I really love. And when she came on her camp on, she came to camp during the summer and I got to work with her and I started kind of pushing her and nudging her like I do with all my players. And some players run away from that personality. And she just like came back at me, which was like made my day, you know, like, I'm like, are you going to let that are you going to let that kid beat you up right there? And she's like, heck no. And then she goes and bombs a ball really hard. So, so she's, she kind of has some attitude about her, which I, I absolutely love. And she's, she's another kid that's just super physical, like nine eleven kid easy and has a good arm. And so, I mean, she's, they're I think they're going to be fantastic. They're going to take some time to get used to our system and the way we play volleyball and not, and not just the systems that we play, but also the attitude at which we play. But I think they're going to do a wonderful job for us and they're going to be wonderful teammates and they're going to be someone that people are going to really like to watch to play as they, as they grow in our program. Well, super excited to see them put on the purple and white and play for you folks. I mean, obviously there'll be, there'll be some, some time to kind of work with them. Uh, you will be excited to watch them play in the sprint, the purple and white game next August, kind of get ready to kick the season off, but a long time before then. So we're going to look forward to this weekend and want to wish you all the best of luck. Maya, this in the final weekend of the, of the regular season at club Swenson, hoping you all kind of get the, get the thing that you're looking for, which is a dub against, you know, Montana State, then Montana to kind of close things out and keep the hopes alive for that number one seed. We'll see what happens, but wish you the best of luck, Maya. Yeah, if we get a number two seed, we should be pretty fired up about that too. So we're, we just want to go compete and hopefully hope for the best. Yep. We want to well, encourage the real, thing this, the real thing with the seeds is to be able to host the next year, right? It's going to be yeah. nice. Yeah, we didn't we didn't host it in 2020, 21's COVID year and seemed to work out pretty well for us. So um, uh-huh. I think it's about it's more about just growing and developing and putting ourselves in position to win. So well, yeah. as a fan, I like when it's here. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, I like sleeping in my own bed during conference tournament too. I appreciate that. So yeah, I was gonna say the weekend. So 
I was going to say the same thing, Maya. I was like, listen, I mean, even though the Wildcats did not host in the spring season, turned out pretty well. So you want to win the ring on the bank floor? Fine by me. In fact, maybe I prefer to win the ring on the bank floor. (laughs) Just so they can know. They need to know. Hey, I I have no comment on that one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Jeremiah Larson, head coach of Weaver State Volleyball. I want to thank you again, man, for taking some time to chat with us here. Wish you the best of luck and go Wildcats. You guys are awesome. Thanks for all you do. Thanks, man. We'll see you. Thank see you. you. All right. I want to thank Maya one more time, man. Really appreciate him for hopping on with us, doing the thing. Um, you know, just a little bit of time to chat with the mind that makes it all go. Like we said, the the, the volleyball program is at a historic high. I mean, we've said it a number of times on this show that this is a golden age of wildcat athletics, that, you know, football's rolling, volleyball's good, softball's a dynasty. Um, soccer continues to be competitive and, you know, hoops is making their way. And so what a great time to be a wildcat. But David, now let's take a look at this last weekend, man. Let's talk about Northern Arizona and the the match in Greeley against hated rival Northern Colorado. Let's start with the NAU game, man. Um, so the first thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about Danny Richens, man, because she had a really not just a great match against Northern Arizona, but just a great weekend overall in the Northern Arizona game in particular, 17 kills, five aces alone by herself and 16 digs. And what do you think, what do you think helped her have to do that? Not just against NEU, but also she did it again against, against Northern Arizona or against Northern Colorado. Like what was it about this weekend that really start to roll and look like the Danny Richens we saw last season in the MVP? Well, a good question, and I wish Maya was still here to answer it. Uh, um, you know, she's uh, uh, she's not one of the freshmen and sophomore, or well, what? Nope. Right. So, uh, so that extra experience she's got under her belt. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I just sort of have that expectation that that uh, Danny's the foundation on which that team is built. Uh, she and Kate seem like they're the, the top talents, uh, Danny in a more showy way and Kate in a quieter way. Yeah. Just in a critical way. You know, if you, if you follow volleyball, obviously, you know, like the setter position is so, so, so important. Like Maya was talking about earlier, you know, just finding, locating that ball, placing it in the way to run the offense, make sure that you're getting and taking advantage of opportunities on the other side of the net. Um, But yeah, Danny Richens, what a weekend for her. Um, I don't think she won player of the week, which is a friggin' travesty, (laughs) but like, Whatever, man. <laughs> like, well, it is what it is. She's the reigning MVP. I don't care. Uh-huh. So talking a little bit about, let's talk a little bit more about NAU. So that first set, um, man, it, it, it seemed like Weber had it in hand, but then the Wildcats or the, the Jacks went on this like late 5-0 run and it was once again spurred by Wildcat service error. And then they go up 22 to 19. And from that point on, you know, it was a little bit back and forth, but then the Jacks take the first set because of that late run, which is something that if you've watched, that's something the Wildcats usually do against teams. It'll be maybe neck and neck and neck, and then they'll go on these late runs out once they get into the late teens and early 20s and close the set out. That was the opposite in this case, where Northern Arizona's Kate Hatch uh, she didn't do really anything for the rest of the match, but in that late that late part of the first uh, the first set, she goes bam, 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 three kills, and closes out that set. 
Do you think that Weber State made adjustments for her that kind of took her out of the rest of the match, or was that just kind of like a fluke? What did you What did you think? Um. Well, the I mean, this was a case where um, later in the match we were changing up our middles and we were um, switching out uh, Michaela to uh, uh, to outside hit. I think that was the. Um, was that the uh, first action that Macy's gotten at Libero all season? You know, because she came in as a Libero recruit and she's played That's defensive right. specialist. But I don't remember if she'd ever uh, donned the Libero jersey until the Northern Arizona match. Um, so it seemed like, you know, we shored up our defense um, and uh, and cut down on our hitting errors some. Um, and that was enough to do the job. Yeah, definitely cut down on some of those errors. You know, the Wildcats hit 232 for the entire for the entire match. But after that first set where they hit just 163, I noticed a trend. And, and I, I, I'll talk about this in just a second. Well, I might as well just talk about it right now. A trend that I noticed is Weaver has to hit above 200 in order to win. There's only been a single instance this season where they hit above 200 and lost. And that was that close loss to... Utah State, which went to five and was almost, once again, a reverse sweep. Uh, so that seems like the magic number for the Wildcats. They got to hit 200. And, and that, first, that first set, they didn't. They hit 163, but then afterward, their numbers were well above 200 and they closed them out, no problem. And so my question to you on this is like, how do they ensure that that continues to be the case, that they keep that number above 200 to keep the offensive rolling? Because we've talked about, you know, the blocking ability and about the, uh, the, the digging ability to get the ball back up in the air and sent back over. How do they make sure that offensively they're keeping the hit, the hit percentage above 200 to give themselves a chance? Right. I think that, um, uh, that, Weber's offense can run really or runs really well off of the serve uh, or the serve receive. Um, But sometimes, you know, in the longer rallies, um, uh, the, the offense doesn't really run as well. And so, um, uh, you know, so much of that comes down to, uh, to your setting. And I've been really impressed with Kate this year that, um, you know, you'll see some setters leave their middle hitters hanging or they'll set something outside that's a total trap set that gets blocked. And, uh, and Kate doesn't do that much, but on the other hand, she doesn't always um, get the middle sets where the hitters can get a powerful shot out of it. You know, there, there are a lot of them that are good that way. And it seems like whenever Sane's in, there's a really nice connection between Kate and Sane that, um, that Sane almost always gets a strong hit, but, um, yeah. And those hits, you know, usually like close to the net, not super high, but give Sane the ability to just kind of swing through and very difficult ball to dig out because the velocity and just the set are just so perfect in the spot. Um, they do have, a, it seems like they have a strong connection and getting those rolling because we've seen Sane really send some balls this season. Yeah, it's been nice. Um, uh, 
Yeah, there was something I'm I'm going to bring up in the Northern Colorado once we get to that. Yeah, let's talk about um, that, man. So I was going to say, I mean, okay. we, we talked about Northern so Arizona. In, uh, Wildcats, they get through. Um, they they do drop that first set against Northern Arizona, but they come back and win the next three. Get out of Flagstaff with a 3-1 win. Hit the road on to Greeley. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think this is a match that we've had circled on the calendar for all season. We know that the Bears beat the Wildcats last season in five sets to win the conference championship on our floor. It's in the uh, Big Sky Conference's promo, which I really freaking hate. (laughs) Uh, But it's there. And so the Wildcats only get to play the Bears once this season, and it had to be at the bank in Greeley. So let's talk a little bit about that match because it looked like things were off to a rocky start. But start us off, David. Um, Well, the other thing about the preamble to the match was who knew that it was going to be for first place after the cats got swept twice by Portland state. Um, you know, we're, it seemed like it would just be hanging on, but then Portland state has dropped the whole series of games now. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was for first place, but, uh, yeah. in that first set, um, as the announcers said, that was the fewest points that, uh, Weber scored in a game all year. Um, and it was just that first run where they got down like 14 to four, they, uh, you know, when they managed to side it out, they had what three consecutive service errors. And then, um, and then the bears just had that long run and, uh, that, that set was over. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like you said, I mean, they go up, the the Bears go up fifteen four at one point, and and the you know the Wildcats are struggling there. I think they hit um, a negative point zero eight three in that first set, so it's really um, it's tough against a good team like Northern Colorado, the reigning conference champions, to dig out of a hole like that. Not the way I think the Wildcats wanted to start. Obviously, you know, we just had Maya on. He's very competitive. He wants to win. And to start the match like that against a rival like Northern Colorado, not ideal. Um, but they, uh, and then they come back in the second set. It wasn't as dire, but once again, right. getting below 200. Well, I, I 0.067 in the second set. And I thought, um, uh, you know, he he left the same lineup in pretty much and they played a lot better. They played even for most of that set. And it's like, okay, we, we got our heads out of the toilet here, but that still wasn't enough. And so then he, um, that's when he pulled Michaela out and put Charlie in at libero. Right. And, um, there were so many matches early in the season where Charlie started at libero and then Michaela got shifted to that job and Ashley then would come into outside hitter here. Here we were doing the exact opposite, confusing the heck out of the announcers. It's, uh, um, and, uh, I, I thought Michaela got some of her strongest set or strongest hits that I've seen, um, at the outside hitter position during this, during this match. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a good lineup change. 
Yeah, and worth noting too, like if you, if the folks remember earlier in the season when we interviewed Michaela Sorensen, like she played outside when she was in high school in Idaho. It's not a position that is unfamiliar to her. You know, when she got to Weber State, we've obviously seen her talent at the libero position, very good defensively at digging the ball out and getting it back up in the air. Well, I think well, I think personally one of the best in the conference at it. And um, but she has that versatility, and so like you said, there's an opportunity to bring Charlie in to play libero and put Michaela on the outside. And uh, it worked. And so the, the third set is when things really started to turn around for the Wildcats. They get back above hitting 200 and then uh, they take it. And, and it was close, right? Like that, that third yeah, set was back, was, was back and forth. And the Wildcats win a close one, 25-23. But I think that it felt like there was maybe a sigh of relief in that moment because it was like, we're not getting swept tonight. You know, we got three. Let's just go and see what happens in four. And the Wildcats once again answer in, in, a, in better fashion, you know, in four. And they hit, they hit a, a nice two, uh, 204 in that set. So not as good as the previous set, but they still are way ahead. They cut down a bit on the errors and it makes a huge difference. And I think the defense really picks up there too. So I really believe that like that third set is a huge turning point mentally for the Wildcats in this match because they go on it. And then they win that third and they're like, yeah, we can play. And then they go uh-huh. on to win the fourth. And then it's a fifth set and all bets are off, right? Yeah. And that fourth set did not go how I expected because there's so many matches that that one team takes the first two, cannot sweep. Uh, so, so it goes 2-1. But then the team that won the first two picks up the fourth. And it's like, oh, no, we got a different plot here tonight. So, uh, uh, yeah. And then that fifth, I mean, nobody could get more than a point ahead yeah. during that whole thing. Right. Yeah. And the fourth was really interesting because it was a lot of long runs by the wildcats. You know, they, they get a really good early lead. They go up six two. bears answer back a little bit. They have a little run of their own and they get it down to one at nine, eight, but then the wildcats answer with a big run to go up 16, nine, and then another big run to close things out. Pretty much. They go up 22 to 14 at that point, you know, it would be a massive collapse and they don't, you know, they just, they hang around for a little bit and then Emma Mangum closes it out to win at 25, 18. Um, Nice to see that bounce back. And like we said, you get to five, then all bets are off. The Bears probably panicking a little bit because if you've looked at their schedule this year, they have dropped some, they've, they've beat some good teams. You know, they've, they swept the California right. road trip, going to Sacramento state, then going up to Portland state, winning both of those matches, but losing some interesting matches on the road this season, losing to Northern Arizona and Flagstaff, losing to Idaho state and Pocatello to begin the season, which I watched that match and I was like, what happened? And then uh, I think they've also lost to Montana state as well. And so uh-huh. lots of interesting losses for them that have kind of just added up. Right. And so there was potential once it went to five that could the Wildcats beat them. Yeah. Because lesser Definitely. teams had done it. They had done it on the road though. And this game was at the bank. Uh huh. Yeah, definitely a disadvantage there. Plus it was on senior night and, uh, I heard there were long, uh, intro videos and giant shirts for the, for the exiting seniors, uh, and, uh, big families, um, for all of the seniors. So a, a larger than usual crowd too. 
Yeah, it was a pretty good sized crowd. They had almost 1,200 there that night. It was 1197 is the official um, attendance for Saturday night in Greeley. But let's talk a bit about that fifth set before we close out the segment here. Seven match point opportunities for the Wildcats. They had a ample opportunity to just get one more point, complete the reverse sweep, and spoil senior night in Greeley. Get a little bit of revenge for the way things went last season in the conference championship at Club Swenson, but it wasn't to be. Uh, the Wildcats fall in, I mean, fifth set's already extras basically, and it was extra extras. <laughs> The Wildcats fall 21 to 19 in the fifth set. And um, a really on uh, Northern loss. Colorado's very first uh, match point after we had had our seven. Yeah. You know, their first opportunity and they closed it out. And so it got me wondering, man. I mean, what do you make of that? Do you think it's experience? Because, like Maya said, Northern Colorado is a very senior laden team. They've got a lot of experience over there. And once they had their opportunity, they took it and they closed out the match. And, and win it in, in three or in five with three sets to two. Right. Wildcats, a young team, seven opportunities to close out, just can't seem to get the ball to find the floor, and you lose 21 19. Do you think youth played a factor, or is it just, hey, man, that's just the way volleyball goes sometimes? Oh, I think it definitely, uh, you know, youth and the home court. Uh, played a part, but I thought they were playing really solid during the those extra innings. And um, I think, uh, you know, playing for the lead uh, in the league um, and saying, look, we really came and played a poor first game. Uh, but other than that, we were totally competitive. So I have my fingers crossed that this is one of those situations where uh, it was painful to lose that match, but maybe that sets us up better for the next time we meet. And hopefully the next time we meet is, is for a uh, slot in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that would be incredible. I mean, the Wildcats have played the bears in the last three conference championships. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and right now it's, you know, it's two, two to one uh, in terms of championship rings for the bears and the wildcats with the one in the spring and the bears with two others, but right. uh, we will see. I think you're right though. This could be fuel for the wildcats going into the final homestand of the season, but also carrying them into the conference tournament because this year's an interesting one. Um, we'll talk about it in just a second in the next segment, but a lot of, jockeying in the final weekend. Um, the Wildcats could be anywhere from the number one seed to the number five seed. Uh, so that's a quite a, quite a range with just two matches to play. Um, so yeah, but I think you're right that the, the close loss, the heartbreaking loss, almost completing the reverse sweep is something that could potentially carry them through with some fire because they're learning and that stuff stings. I know that these ladies are competitive. They have played at a competitive level. And now they're, you know, at the next level playing D1 volleyball, they want to win. And so they won't forget that anytime soon, I'm sure. Right. So, yeah, that, that was my only hope that um, uh, lost the battle, but maybe win the war. Yeah, we'll see. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the 
the, the matches this week against Montana State and Montana. Like we said, want to talk a little bit about the playoff picture as it sits right now. In spite of the close loss to UNC last week and the Wildcats remain in a position to win or, or to share or win outright the regular season conference title. Outright would mean that the Bears get swept this weekend. They lose two. I think it's unlikely they're a good team. Losing two in a row would be stunning. Absolutely stunning. I haven't checked the schedule yet. Oh, I think they have to play Eastern and Idaho. They're taking the Palouse uh, road trip. So, you know, lesser competition as it were, but should but, the Bears... But Eastern, you know, but Eastern Washington just beat Portland State in Portland, mm-hmm. right? So right. maybe Eastern Washington could be peaking and, and they're fighting for a spot in the tournament, right? So... Yeah. The only they've, team they've got more to play for in a way. Yeah. The only team that has been mathematically eliminated thus far is the Idaho Vandals. So Eastern still trying to get an opportunity to play, to come to Ogden and play in the conference tournament. So like we said, if the Wildcats can get two big wins against Montana state and Montana, uh, who Montana has been playing better volleyball of late, um, they could potentially share or they could win outright the conference championship if they share Northern Colorado gets the one seed because they have the tiebreaker because the Wildcats lost to them on Saturday. They only play once the season, which is what it is. But uh, yeah. And so do you feel that seeding is important in this year's tournament? Because we've seen a good chunk of the conference. Now we played almost everybody twice except for Sac state and Northern Colorado is seeding does it really matter because the Wildcats have been pretty competitive against everybody but Portland State who has been tanking a little bit of late yeah I don't think the seeding is going to be that important I agree I think that um that Weaver could beat anybody and I think with that young team Weaver could lose to anybody um so I've seen it Losing to Idaho State is a is a loss that looms large right now, right? Because had the Wildcats taken care of business and beat the Stripes in Ogden, they're ahead of Northern Colorado right now in that loss. And so all they would have to do is win the next two matches. Northern Colorado would not be conference champions. They would be the two had the Wildcats be tied, though, and and have the tiebreaker against. Would they would they still be tied? If they had one, right, if Weaver had one less loss, then we'd be even with, no, oh, yeah, we'd be even, and then they'd have the head-to-head. Yeah. Right? They, they Okay, so they, they would, if we won two, had the Wildcats beat the Stripes, Wildcats beat both Montana State and Montana this weekend, it'd be a similar situation, but you'd have potentially that opportunity. Yeah. But so I, I agree with you, though, overall, Seeding probably not as big of a deal because the only team that's really given the Wildcats fits is Portland state. And if you don't end up on that side of the bracket or you face them at a time where they've been struggling, losing to lesser teams, anything could happen. Right. And if it's two versus three, you know, you're still going to be lined up to play them in the second round. Right. So, yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't really matter who's two and who's, you know, it, it seems like the top four are a step above the, the next four. So, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so whether you're playing uh, six or seven is probably not going to be key. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about this week then. So we've, we've talked about kind of the stakes 
Um, what this week mean Thursday, Montana state comes to Ogden. They're five and five in their last 10. And they're two of six on the road in conference play this year. Um, I've been surprised at them. I talked about this the last time when the Wildcats took the Montana road trip that Montana State has underperformed this year. I thought that they would be a top three team in the conference this season, and they haven't been that way. Uh, They've had some of their own struggles, and uh, they just haven't had that. I said, on the road this season, not a great mark, two of six. And so do you think the Wildcats can bounce back? Do you think there's a hangover from that close loss on Saturday? Or, Or is it just, you know what, we're back home? business as usual how do you see it affecting the team's psyche after a close loss like that and the emotions that go with it um well i feel like we're still shuffling the lineup back and forth Mm -hmm. and i i think it's got less to do with the opponent than we were working out for itself uh you know who they are and and what they're best lineup is and and trying to get in a groove heading into the tournament right with having played all of these different lineups we're seeing in the play some occasional uh strange things that that we didn't really see last season where it was same lineup night after night everyone knows exactly where they're going to be because that's where they always are um so yeah i i don't think there's a hangover i think there's just can you know can we get the momentum rolling again i I guess that is related to hangover though yeah um really quickly talking about saturday's match against the grizz uh that will be senior day for the wildcats um that match is going to be at club swenson at 6 p.m. So you'll be able to watch the football game earlier that day, unless you're going to Flagstaff. Then you know you should watch the volleyball game in your in your hotel room. But um, 6 p.m. Senior day at Club Swenson, so make sure you're there. Montana, we've we've seen them already once this season, and um, we talked about Paige Clark last time. I mean, she she had a, a monster game last time in Missoula, but it didn't matter because the Wildcats still swept, and so. She continues to lead the conference in kills. She averages 3.86 kills per set. That leads all all, um, all 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 outsides, all players in the conference. She's kind of the main weapon for the Grizz. And so that also means, though, that she draws a lot of attempts. And so, David, do you feel like the, the game plan is roughly the same when the Wildcats took the trip to Missoula? That really it's about slowing Paige Clark down and making somebody else on the Grizz team beat you. And if they can't do that, a short, short day in the gym for the Wildcats. Right. And that, you know, when there's a central focus to, to a team, it's makes it so much easier on the middle blockers. Right. Cause certainly uh, your, your first step, you know, which way it's going, <laughs> or at least your lean is going that same way. Yeah. Um, when, uh, uh, when Danny sometimes gets uh, gets uh, overused, you know she's always facing these big blocks. Fortunately, she knows how to deal with that. But um, I, I'm sure that's the same thing for Paige. Yeah. Last thing I want to mention before we wrap up the segment: um, 
a weakness that we talked about last time about how Montana's Montana, the Grizz are not great at defending against the service ace feels like the Wildcats have gotten better at the service ace in the coming, in the last couple of weeks. You know, we've really started to see a state come back. <laughs> and so I, I kind of wanted to ask, like, is that a thing that you feel like could be a factor in this match against the Grizz that they continue to struggle at defending uh, in from when the ball comes over from the opposing team and the Wildcats take advantage. Cause it seems like that's a skill set that has gotten sharper in the last couple of weeks. Uh, well, it'd be awesome if it does. We've still had a lot of, uh, of service errors going on. How are we doing in differential? Have you looked at that? I haven't looked at the differential between errors and aces themselves, but um, it does feel like, I mean, obviously there have been matches where the errors have been a huge factor. I've talked about how the errors are often a thing that sparks a run for the other teams. The Wildcats put the ball into the net, give the side out to the other team, and then they go bam, bam, bam. They get four or five points in, in, a, in, a, in a row and get themselves back in the set when the Wildcats have built up a lead. And so definitely a factor, but it also feels like the team is getting better. Uh, you know, Danny Richens had five service aces in the Northern Arizona game. Just those kinds of things, you know, they have a, they make a difference. Yeah. Well, um, I was the one that, that uh, christened her the ace queen uh, <laughs> with my uh, poster last year. And the, uh, the poster I'm bringing on Thursday is uh, celebrating the Weber State Wildcats because, you know, their block has staff, been good this year. Yeah, the block has right? been very they're, good. What are they? They're number 25 in the in the nation as of uh, tonight. I don't know how they'll be as of Thursday. And uh, uh, wow, you know, how, where did that come from? That they were a serving team last year and that... Um, they're a blocking team this year. Oh yeah. It might be of a whole bunch of tall freshmen. <laughs> <laughs> Makes a difference. Um, looking yeah. at the numbers, Wildcats currently ranked 21 in the nation in blocking averaging 2.6 a set. Uh, they're 24th in the, in the country at opponent hit holding teams to about a 165. That's best for 24th in the country. Weber state Wildcats. I mean, yeah, man, the block has been extremely good this year. Couple yeah. other things to to watch out for this week. Just some other tidbits. Um, Danny Richens is closing in on the number four spot in career kills for a Wildcat. She's 18 kills behind fourth place, so there's potential that you might see her break that record this weekend. Um, also, uh, her ace numbers last weekend put her alone in fourth place for most aces in a career at Weber State. She's six aces behind two people who are tied in second place. So she's six aces away from second place in career aces at Weber State. And then uh, we'll see how things go from there. And that includes the tournament, right? Yeah, I, I believe the numbers do include the tournament, right? And so I think she's going to get there. Yeah, I mean, it's just not we just need two a matches. countdown for that. <laughs> Flip some things over the board, you know, like when John Stockton almost, you know, got the got the three point. Well, we've record. got the we've got the ace the counter record. that they that they put in Club Swenson. Oh, I love um, it. Although uh, the poor guy uh, who's doing it, we have to yell at him sometimes. Ace, ace, because he's, <laughs> he's not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> it gets lonely up like, there on the balcony. I'm going to stare at the stats. 
okay, it's an official ace. All right, fine. I'll do it. So. <laughs> so be ready for those matches this week, folks, against Montana State on Thursday and then against the Wildcats on or against the, the Grizz in Clubs Wenson Senior Day for the Wildcats on Saturday. So Thursday, November 17th, match will be at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Get your tickets at WeberStateSports.com or watch it on ESPN Plus like I will. Or Saturday, November 19th, against the Grizz. Um, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Buy your tickets, WeberStateSports.com or ESPN Plus. Then we're on to the conference tournament during Thanksgiving week. That, that will and be. Bring your friends to the matches. I got uh, five friends coming with that I'm dragging along to the Thursday match. So terrific. I mean, we've yep. said it a number of times here. If you need tickets and you're not quite sure, Hit us up. We've got season tickets for these last two matches at Club Swenson. And if you're uh, interested in going, but you haven't gone yet and you're you know, looking for a, a cheap deal, hit us up. Glad to share our season tickets with you and support the ladies at Club Swenson. So that's it, man. I mean, that's the remainder of the season. We'll just find out how things go in the Big Sky Conference Tournament, which will be from November 23rd to November 26th. Uh, we'll wrap the show. The Email us. of the regular season. We got more to do. That's right. Remainder of the regular season. There is more to do. The Wildcats, I think, are basically assured a spot in the conference tournament. So it isn't like they're not making the tournament, folks. There's at least one more match on top of that. And then we'll just kind of see what happens. Yep. So um, email us, WeberStateWeekly, gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, WeberStateWeekly.com for the blog. David Moore, want to thank you for taking the time to chat volleyball with me tonight, man. Really appreciate your time and your insights. We'll wrap it up like we always do. Weber State, Weber State. Great, great, great. Go Wildcats.